Hey guys, it's Charles. Are you a lazy millennial like me who doesn't have the time, energy, or work ethic to actually read a book? If so, you're in luck. Head over to audibletrial.com slash settingedge. That's audibletrial.com slash settingedge to get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash settingedge. Reading is for chumps. Welcome to episode 62 of the Setting the Edge podcast. Actually, Devil's Digest podcast. I'm Justin Muscato. You can find me on Twitter at J1 Muscato. I'm here with my carnal. Double Digest podcast? Devil's Digest. Look, I'm not going to take it personal. Oh, I thought you said doubles digest. I'm like, what the f- No, what def- double? I, I just, I can't enunciate things. Hispano Arantes, yeah. English is my second language. ESL, all that shit. Uh, here with my co-host, Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter, at Forverts. Say what's up to people, Chuck. What's up? Uh, I mean, <laughs> today is Thursday. Uh, we were recording this about two hours before the Falcons-Saints game starts, so we're hustling. But a lot happened today in the NFL, and um, we do have a couple questions. So we're going to try to breeze through these picks so we can get to the questions and have this all uploaded before the game starts. But let's dive right in with the Thursday night game. Uh, the Thursday night game is the New Orleans Saints are going to the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are somehow a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home, uh, and we are both on the Saints. Yeah, that line is actually that that line like flipped today or something. Yeah, that's what so I, I don't know what's going on. I, I think I saw some people saying that it could have been because of uh, Mark Ingram and his injury, but it's not like New Orleans doesn't have running. I mean, Alvin Kamara is their number two running back. He might end up being you know rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. Um, so I really don't understand that. I mean, uh, last week was not as good of a week for Drew Brees as the stats probably would would uh, would say, but. Overall, I still think New Orleans, just as an all-around team, they've gotten banged up on the defensive side of the ball recently. Um, obviously, uh, Alex Okafor isn't there anymore. He's on injured, injured reserve. But still, I mean, th- this is a team that's performing well. They're what? They've had three losses, I want to say. Two of them came in the first week of the year. Um, I, I really don't understand this one fully. I, I'm still all the way on the sense. I would have taken them, you know, pick them, let alone two and a half. You talking on mute again, Bendejo? Yep, I was. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I said, I'm just going to put money on the Saints' uh, money line, honestly, because I, I expect them to win this game. I mean, I, I think the Falcons' defense has definitely improved. I, per, I mean, particularly their pass defense, but they still have a pretty awful run defense in terms of, like, yards per rush value and tackle for loss percentage value. So, like, I, I think that when you have a team, I think the Falcons are 28th right now in terms of tackle for loss percentage, and the Saints are. Saints offensive line is, like, by far the best. Like they're, they're which, not even... which is crazy because Grady, Grady Jarrett ranks so high in all those stats. Like, he's legit, like, Grady Jarrett making plays in the backfield against yeah, he's been, and then he's been everyone great. else doing nothing. He's been great this year. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, when you just look at the, the optics of it, you have a team that's awful at getting behind the line of scrimmage and defending the run, and then you have a team that's, just incredible in terms of run blocking and maximizing the yards to get off those those blocks. So I, I, I think like the Falcons they have they have the personnel to kind of make it a shootout if they if they have the opportunity to, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints just kinda of sit on the ball the entire game. Especially with like Marshawn Lattimore coming back, but he's still dinged up. You don't really want a, a rookie on a bum ankle going against Julio. So yeah, I think I think I think this has the potential to be a beat down, honestly. So Next- uh, one thing that I want to mention is uh, we did a bunch of stuff earlier in the week, just like in our group chat and stuff, trying to figure out what the narratives of this last month of the season is going to be, just based off of like strength of schedule and things like that. And when we looked like Atlanta, in terms of the teams who are still in contention for the playoffs, Atlanta with you know versus New Orleans on Thursday night at Tampa, at New Orleans, and then home again for Carolina, they have the hardest schedule in the league for this last month of the year. So they're kind of on... Uh, they're on life support at best right now. Yeah, I mean, this is a talented team. Uh, after they kind of stumbled their way through, uh, I guess, the middle portion of the season, they kind of found their footing. But, yeah, it, it was just uh, they had a really tough schedule, and the NFC is loaded this year. So, I mean, they they were going to have to win out from the Minnesota game to, like, keep it easy on themselves, and now they have no choice but to win out. And it starts tonight, and if they lose, the season's over. So uh, let's move on to the next game. Detroit Tampa Bay doesn't have a line, so we'll move on to the game after that. Wait, why doesn't that game have a line? I think it's because of Jameis Winston's injury. 
Do you get hurt again? Uh, doesn't matter. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Uh, props up injury report. Uh, Ankle issue. Okay. Uh, so we're just going to stay away from that one. The next game is Green Bay Packers at the Cleveland Browns. The uh, Packers are three-point favorite. You are on the Browns in the first half and the Packers in the second half. I'm just going to stay away from it. Yeah, this is the so, – so in the morning slate, there are basically five games that there's, like, no playoff implications at all. Detroit, Tampa, Green Bay, Cleveland, San Francisco, Houston, Dallas, New York, Chicago, Cincinnati. Um, this might be the most entertaining out of all of them just because it's, like – if it's like two homeless people fighting, basically, like you you don't want to look at it, but you might not be able to look away. Um, first half, second half split for Cleveland is the biggest in the sport, easiest bet in probably the last two years. Uh, even the the Los Angeles Chargers pulled away in the second half against the damn Cleveland Browns last week. So um, I don't know. So do, do you want to speak about uh, Sashi Brown and just basically Twitter having a eulogy for him? Well, I was I was just about to say like if if. If huge if if the Browns are going to pick up a win this year, uh, this is their best shot uh, against Brett Hundley, and I, I guess like a pretty a fairly weak Packers defense. But I mean the Browns offense has been a complete dumpster fire this year. But I mean just you know like the Browns they've gone o and twelve at this point. But I I think they've kind of had a little bit of a tough schedule. Uh, they had the Steelers to open the season, Ravens. Uh, they played the Jets, who are way better than any of us thought they were going to be. They caught the Texans right when Watson Mania was happening. Uh, they played the Vikings, Jaguars, the Lions, uh, the Chargers have kind of, started, uh, kind of started to get their shit together. So maybe they, they probably won't win a game this year. But uh, I do think that their roster is better than last year. They just kind of caught a, a, a tough slate of teams this year. But, yeah, let's let's uh, just hop to a mailbag question real quick because we did get a couple on uh, – you know, Sashi Brown getting fired and Hugh Jackson somehow, by the grace of God, by the grace of being a snake, is keeping his job. Uh, <laughs> and, and staying Nothing as, but respect for my president. Like right. the way he threw them under the bus is threw the most amazing thing that I've ever seen. Everybody under the bus. I mean, it, it's bro, he, ba- <laughs> he basically said, I need to start picking players. I didn't pick an offensive coordinator because I needed to outlast these bums. I needed to get them out of there. I didn't want to put the blame on anyone else. I want all the power. Like, and then. So it's very clear at this point that the public narrative has been that Hugh Jackson didn't want these quarterbacks, right? Um, but now it seems like every single person in the NFL, right, like not just people who are reading Mike Silver, uh, are convinced, every single person is convinced that Hugh Jackson actually wanted quarterbacks and that, he, you know, him throwing Sashi Brown under the bus, like, is basically him saying, you know, we, we would have been better if it wasn't for him, which is kind of fucking crazy to me. Yeah, so let's let's just uh, let's just get this first question out of the way from uh, pal Aaron Jones, uh, tortured Browns fan, works for uh, uh, Pro Football Focus. His ad is Jones underscore Aaron. How does Hugh Jackson keep his job over Sashi Brown? And why is my life trash? Well, I can answer the life is trash is for you because you root for the Browns, and that, that's not an active decision that you have to make. You can go root for any other team that you want to, but I guess Browns fans are unusually loyal to a team that has never really been good since they came back. I mean, they've had, I was looking at today, they've had two winning seasons in the past. Uh, when did they come back? Like two. Nine, two 90, yeah. It was like 98 or something like that. There was the Derek Anderson season. Yeah, and then they, had a, they had a season in like 2000 and 2001 where they, where, they, where they went nine and seven. So That um, didn't even exist. Nothing before 2004 actually happened. Okay, so how does Hugh Jackson keep his job over Sashi Brown? I mean, we just touched on it. I mean, he... He just kind of <laughs> he just kind of sold everyone out, undermined uh, whatever Sashi and Paul De- De Podesta were doing, made himself look like God in the eyes of Jimmy Haslam, and he gets to keep his job, even though he's probably going to be one in thirty-one at the end of this uh, at the end of this stretch. This is this is the nicest that you've been about Packers football in months. I feel bad for you guys a little bit. Actually, no, I don't. I don't feel I, bad I for don't. you guys. I, I feel I feel bad for. The like the guys who just realize how trash they are because Aaron Rodgers isn't playing with them anymore. Like Aaron Rodgers covers up so many deficiencies on that team. It's kind of like how LeBron James. Uh, people get tired of giving him the MVP. Like that's what Aaron Rodgers is like. Like he should be the MVP every year, but like, and I think you see like how awful this Packers team actually is without him. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna we're gonna play a game real quick. 
How many passing yards do you think Brett Hundley had last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are not good on defense? Actually, I, I saw this. I think it was like 80-something, like 84. It's 80, 84. Do you know how many touchdowns Brett Hundley has on the year? Uh, has he thrown one? <laughs> He's thrown one, just not at home. Uh, two. Five. So oh. he has five. How many, how many interceptions do you think he has? Seven. Eight. <laughs> He's fucking awful, man. Yeah, yeah he's bad. Good. So I mean, the Browns they do have a chance to win this game. It's going to be interesting to see like how this, uh, how the whole Browns fiasco plays out because I don't know. You know, we were talking earlier today in, in a group chat that the NFL is extremely volatile, and usually guys don't get the chance to if they if they suck for two years, they don't get the chance to uh, to keep their job. But you know, Jimmy Haslam knew what the deal was when they got him. Uh, when they when they when he hired Sashi Brown and Paul De Podesta last year, I mean they went out and gutted the roster. They let go of Travis Benjamin, Alex Mack, uh, who else? Uh, Mitchell Schwartz. I mean they it was a complete rebuild. So I'm not well. Sure, you gotta, I'm, not, I'm not sure why he's surprised like, that this team is so bad. Like a year after gutting any quality players they had. Well, I'm not sure all that stuff was on purpose, right? Some wasn't some of that like we clearly wanted these guys but we didn't know what the schedule was. I remember that being a narrative the first time this Cleveland front office went into free agency. It was a bunch of like, oh, they didn't realize how fast free agency moved and that you just couldn't sit and pick up the pieces, you know, a month later. Yeah, I I don't know. I just feel like even though they're 0 and 11 or 0 and 12, I mean, I hit on their schedule a little bit, but this this feels like a better team than last year, and they've put a lot of resources into the offensive and defensive line. Uh, in terms of tackle for loss percentage, the Browns are eighth in the league. They're 26 in sack percentage, but I think a lot of that has to do with Kaiser holding onto the ball uh, too long. And then on yeah, defense, I would say so too. On defense, they're first uh, by far in tackle for loss percentage value, and they're 18th in sack percentage value. But you know they're about one sack under the uh, the league norm or the league average. So. I think when you look at the Browns and you say, hey, they've got a good run defense and their oldest player on the defensive line that's like actually like really contributing for them is Danny Shelton. He's only in his third year. So you got like Ogba, Garrett, uh, Carl Nassib, Larry Ogunjobi, Caleb Brantley, and those guys are, they're producing. Uh, and, you know, even had a guy like Derek Kindred who leads, who was one of the league leaders in terms of tackles for loss for safety. So and he was a 2016 draft pick. I, I don't know. I, I feel like, when you when you look at the optics of one and twenty seven, obviously that's tremendously bad. I mean, just it's embarrassing. But I, I think that they were headed in the right direction at least, and they just kind of hit a gauntlet of a schedule, and they didn't get it done. Yeah, the one thing that I do think that's weird is that people are building it up like people are building it up like whoever comes to Cleveland is going to succeed because they have the tools that Sashi Brown gave them, basically. And I'm not sure that's the case at all, right? So, like, people are going to give – people are going to do the weird double-edged sword thing with, like, every single time Miles Garrett gets a sack, even though he was obviously the best player coming out of college, they're going to pat Sashi Brown on the back for that, you know, even though they didn't get a quarterback, which is really the only thing that matters. Um, and then, like, people talk about the offensive line and defensive line, and certainly they are – like, th- those two units, right, are significantly better than what their record is, but they're paying that offensive line over $200 million. It's not like there's a bunch of, like – market inefficiencies that are happening there um that defensive line has i think or that defensive front that front seven i think has if you include the pick that was traded for jamie collins there's eight guys on rookie contracts who were drafted in the first four rounds in that front seven um if brock osweiler's worth a second round pick right that's a ton of brock osweiler's basically invested in that front um so I, i understand that like they have two very good units for how bad they are as an overall football team but i don't really understand the whole like you know, someone's basically, you know, walking into the house that Sashi built. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I, I mean, they're just, they're set up well. You know, hopefully, if, if Josh Gordon can stay clean, I mean, it, I mean, just with the whole campaign that he's had, it, I think he is sincere, and uh, I'm, I'm rooting for him. He's going to kill Green Bay, by the way. Like, oh. they're, they're horrible at covering the exact same receiver that Josh Gordon is. Yeah, so, I mean, you just kind of look at the offensive line, defensive line, uh, you got weapons duke johnson Corey coleman josh gordon like you and and with the way the texan season is trending it looks like you're gonna have uh four picks in the top 40 so i mean that's a that's a that's a nice slate to walk into as a new general manager and and hopefully they win right away because that's what jimmy haslam obviously wants 
Uh, let's go back to the gambling, though. The next game we're going to talk about is the San Francisco 49ers at the Houston Texans. The Texans are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. We were on the Texans. I'm on the 49ers and the Jimmy Guwap below train. Uh, yeah, that's that's all I got, really. I, I, I just went back and watched the Bears game from last week because I still can't let Kyle Shanahan go from my heart. So I, I watch almost every 49ers game, and I thought Jimmy G looked pretty good. He's clearly the best quarterback they've had this season, and I think that's enough to to get it done versus versus uh, this Texans team. Uh, I have a couple of thoughts on this. I wanted to start with this though, because I was thinking about the 49ers for some reason, because I'm a sick person like that. I was thinking about them earlier in the week, and I was thinking about kind of like what our projections were for for teams and where they ended up. Right, um, mentally giving myself pats on the back, but was looking at like the 49ers and what we thought of them. And we didn't think that they were, they were going to be horrible. I, I, I still don't think that they're horrible. Like, they lost a bunch of close games, you know what I mean? Um, but what I am surprised by is, like, you see guys like David Onyemata, Alex Okafor in, in New Orleans, right? Uh, Corey Peters, who kind of had a breakout year in Arizona, stuff like that, were just kind of guys that you, you didn't think were going to be great that just kind of stepped up to the plate. And how the 49ers kind of surprisingly – like, who's really stepped up on that 49ers team? You know what I mean? Like, it, it's kind of like – the same guys that you thought were going to be good are good, and the same guys that you thought were not going to be great weren't great. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we obviously didn't foresee the the Jimmy Garoppolo trade coming up, but that, right. that I feel like that makes that their offseason pretty interesting because you have the situation where you have to extend him uh, because I mean, you trade. They're going to tag him, right? Yeah, I mean, or, I or, yeah, unless he just blows the doors off these last four games. But uh, I mean, yeah, they're probably going to franchise tag him and give him another year. Uh, to play but that makes them a, a player at the top of the draft because they can they can trade down now that they don't need to draft a quarterback this year so it's gonna be cool to see what they do with those picks uh maybe they trade down and keep adding to that defensive line or probably pick up an offensive lineman because they're i hope not i mean what 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 even spot I, someone Dumerville, me. you gotta get you I mean you gotta replace Dumerville pretty soon well well okay so Line up that we did. We did this all fucking offseason. Yeah, Line up that defensive line right now. Eric Armstead and Solomon Thomas are probably going to be the ends, right? And then DeForest Buckner is going to be a three. So really, the only open spot that will make any significant impact on that line immediately would be nose tackle. Like they're going to draft like Vita Vea or another edge rusher. Because they they did kick get, they kick they did kick Armstead inside like once they realized oh wait yeah. this this guy's not an edge rusher he's like six seven two hundred ninety <laughs> pounds he's not he's not a Sam linebacker right. like they had him in the fucking offseason yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just gonna take Houston two and a half just because I don't think San Francisco is just full on better than them and that's what this line would suggest right three points for home field advantage um, it would suggest that on a neutral field San Francisco would be favored over Houston uh, San Francisco just hasn't won that many games Houston has at least. Uh, won some of them, you know, a few of them. Deshaun Watson was there for a lot of them, but <laughs> yeah, most of their wins came when they were getting MVP caliber quarterback play. But that... <laughs> Tom Sa- Tom Savage is apparently a sack fumble machine, which is like something that we've never really seen before. Yeah, he's awful. Uh, enough about Tom Savage. Next game, we have the Dallas Cowboys against the New York Giants. The Cowboys are four point road favorite, and we are on the Cowboys. I mean, the Giants they stink. They're they're a mess right now. I mean, you go on the road and you lose to a, a crappy Oakland team. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really understand what they're doing here because, like, why did they bench Eli Manning for one game and then put him back in the lineup? Like, what, what was the point of that? So, so okay, I was watching – so I watched Monday Night Football, and then after that there's the sport, the Scott Van Pelt Sports Center, and they were talking about stuff for a while, and then they send it to a press conference. Like, they cut out of the thing and were like – we need to go to the press conference in, in uh, New York. It looked like it was something that was happening live, right? But this was at like 1 o'clock Eastern time. I have no idea what the fuck was going on. But basically, Mara was talking about it, and it made it sound like the agreement that they had with McAdoo was that he was going to go to Eli and be like, look, you can start, and then we'll see where it goes from there. And that Eli just full-on turned it down, and that they didn't have any communication uh, in plan for if Eli turned down, okay, you're going to start, and then we'll pull you out of the game. Um, he was he basically said that he, he was hoping Eli would just do well. You know what I mean? Like, just get the start and then do well enough that you can pull him off the field. But they never had communication in place for if Eli says no, he doesn't want to start, just fucking start, Gino. You know, like, what, what, where the fuck do we go from here? Um, it also sounds like the general manager is going to be able to pick the head coach in New York. Uh, that's basically all I have on this game. I'm, I'm t- taking Dallas. Even without Zeke Elliott, um, 
I guess the the only way that you could pick New York here is if you think Steve Spagnuolo being elevated to interim head coach with the effort issues that have clearly been on you know the the Giants secondary uh, if if that boosts them up a little bit. But I don't I don't know I don't see it. Yeah, neither do I. Cowboys roll. Uh, I mean the Giants they're they're abysmal right now and, and it, meaningless game. Meaningless yeah meaningless game and I, I feel like. When you watch the Giants, especially their defense, minus Damon Harrison, who is just hustling his ass off out there every game, it's clear that they've kind of they've kind of checked out this season. But uh, the next game is the Chicago Bears at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are six and a half point home favorite, and we are both on the Bears. I mean, I just it, what 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 reason do we need besides uh, Cincinnati's not that good? And it's a short week for Cincinnati. Um, there was a weird – I can't remember where I read it. Someone tweeted it. Someone retweeted it, not even tweeted it out on my timeline. It might have been fake news. There was some rumor that John Fox wanted to pull Mitch Trubisky already, which, like, oh, my God. That's like Pete, the, John Fox. The head coaches are throwing their quarterbacks and general managers under the fucking bus for job security, and I've never felt so fucking alive in my life. Um, but, but the weird – so, okay, I, I want to pose, pose this question at you. How many wins over 500 teams do you think the Chicago Bears have? I mean, we already did this before. You, they did have we? Three, they have three. They do have three, and the Eagles have one. They have three times more wins against you know half decent NFL teams than the Eagles have. Yeah, I think the Bears are. I mean, I, I mean, it looks like John Fox is probably going to get fired this offseason, but I don't think they're an awful team. You know, they're they're, they're they've been hurt. They've been hurt. They've like, been that, hurt. That's one thing is they've been banged up. But they're competitive, you know. Uh, I, yeah. I they're competitive while throwing 13 passes a game, which is pretty. They're Georgia Tech. Like yeah. ah, we can't, we just can't get this nat away. Yeah, it it would be. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see like where Chicago and Washington and Atlanta end up next year because I I think that they they're teams that could potentially make a leap. But uh, let's move on. The next just, game, just ignore Green Bay. Just ignore. Oh yeah, Green Bay because right. they're gonna get. You know, <laughs> Superman back at quarterback, but uh, the next game is the Indianapolis Colts at the Buffalo Bills. There's no line on this game, uh, probably because of Tyrod Taylor's injury, so we'll move on. Uh, the Oakland Raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are a four-point favorite, and we are both on the Chiefs. Uh, I, the Chiefs at home, I know that they've been awful uh, like the past five or six weeks of the season, but they're they're still more talented than this Oakland team, and even though that uh, they're losing games. They still have one of the best offenses in football. Uh, they put up 38 or 31 on the Jets last week, and Oakland's defense is worse than that, and it's a home game. So I kind of expect them to light up Oakland's defense, and then that should be enough to keep uh, Derek Carr in, in a company at bay. Yeah, so Kansas City is a four-point favorite. That's a one-point That's a one point line on a neutral field. I think Kansas City should be favored more than one point against this Oakland team. Um, they've certainly slipped, but the reasons for it are different reasons every week. Like, they, they find ways to lose. It's kind of impressive. But um, it's just them not putting everything together at the same time. And you figure, you know, down the line, that eventually that's going to get figured out. For a while, it was the fact that they just weren't scoring on the offensive side of the ball. But like you said, they scored 31 points. Um, I, think team, I think teams that scored 31 points, I looked this up, uh, from week one to week twelve, it was something like eighty-five percent of teams that score thirty-one points end up winning winning football games. So it's kind of an oddity that they weren't able to win when they were putting up that many points against the Jets last week. Um, one issue that I do think is very real for Kansas City is basically uh, I think it was from week six, which was the end of their five and zero streak, to week twelve. The only team worse at getting tackles in the backfield than the Kansas City Chiefs was the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, which is a huge swing from like the beginning of the year when people were super excited about uh, Chris Jones and Alan Bailey and uh, and uh, Justin Houston looked like a defensive uh, player of the year candidate for a while, even though he was dropping into coverage way too much. Um, so I think that's a massive issue. I mean, they, they allowed uh, Josh McCown basically had a flawless game. Um, they were in the red zone basically the entire game and Josh McCown ran for two different rushing touchdowns. So like that, that's just a piss poor performance by that defensive unit. Um, I, I think we can finally put away the whole Kansas City's only losing because of their offense. Their offense was figured out, college offense, it's a gimmick, uh, all that type of you know narrative speculation type of stuff. Uh, so I'm taking Kansas City minus four. Yep. Uh, okay, the next game we have is the Carolina Panthers uh, hosting the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. You are taking Carolina to cover that two-and-a-half-point spread. 
I am uh, teasing that to 8.5 points with uh, the Philly game that we'll talk about later. So, do you, Are you thinking that the Panthers beat the Vikings at home? That line's just a little too high. I think it's probably closer to 50-50 than this line is. Than this line is saying. I would, I would, I'd probably take... I would probably say the the most value in this would probably not be the point spread. It'd probably be the money line with Carolina. So wait, so you would take the money line, or you would not take the money line? I would. I would for what the odds are right now. Yeah. Because Minnesota, Minnesota's still on the road, and while I think, I, I, I've been big on the Minnesota wagon for two and a half months basically now, and I've kind of been, I Carolina, their record is fraudulent. If nothing else, their record is fraudulent for how their football team is playing right now. But that's still too high of a line, two two and a half on the road. So if this game were in Minnesota, Minnesota would be a what is that eight and a half point favorite against a team that is you know a playoff team right now in the most competitive division in the sport or competitive conference in the well division two. Yeah, division two. And they play in the yeah. NFC South. So yeah, I I don't know that that line just seems a little too high to me. But both of these teams are good. This is there's a lot of actual good like Minnesota Carolina. Seattle, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Rams, Atlanta, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. New Orleans tonight. Atlanta, New Orleans. Uh, if you really want to stoop down, you could say Oakland, you know, Kansas City, potential playoff teams, like very fringe potential playoff teams. Um, this is this is a pretty good week of football. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, now, the next game we're going to talk about is not going to be fun. Uh, the New York Jets taking on the Denver Broncos, uh, the it, or it's a pick em. Uh The Jets are on the road, and we're both on the Jets. I mean, you, if you told me the Broncos are the you think the Broncos are the worst team in football, I mean, I I wouldn't argue that at all. I, I think they're worse than the Browns. Uh, I I probably do think they are the worst team in football. They don't do anything well on offense. Uh, their defense has kind of fallen apart as the season's gone on. And the Jets, like they're they're good. I mean, t- <laughs> not good, but like good in the sense that we like some people were projecting them to go zero and sixteen to start the season. Uh, so to get five wins so far is kind they, of they, amazing. They just beat they just beat Kansas City while uh, Darren Lee was suspended and Muhammad Wilkerson missed the first quarter of the game. Yeah, which like I, I haven't give like Todd Bowles might be like I would have to think like I guess Sean McVay is still there, but number number two and like. Head coach of the year might be Todd Bowles. Yeah, if I had a ballot, I I would vote for Bowles just because I think the expectations on the Rams were a little bit higher than the Jets, just because you know, you're adding uh, Whitworth, and, like a little bit, like you got that term right, like a little bit, like a win and a half or something. Yeah, but I mean, like the way like they added uh, Andrew Whitworth and three receivers that are all better than Tavon Austin <laughs> that they had last year. But uh, I don't know, like we like I just said, the Ram or the Jets. A lot of people were predicting to win like zero games or even just one game. So to get where they are and to be a pretty competitive team, I mean, they took Atlanta to the end uh, a few weeks ago. So they're not bad. They're definitely better than the Jet- this, uh, Broncos team. So I'm going to take them to win. And I I don't even know if it'll be that close. No, they're they're an awful team. Yeah. The Denver Broncos are an awful team. They, yeah. they would lose to the Browns right now. Yeah, if uh, if John Elway didn't have, like, lifetime job security for being John Elway in Denver. He literally owns part of the team. Yeah. So, like, if he literally didn't own part of the team, he'd probably be gone. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. So, uh, sorry, Broncos fans. At least he got his Super Bowl ring a couple years ago. Uh, the next game is the Washington Redskins at the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, the Chargers are a six-point home favorite. You are teasing it down to a pick 'em with the Miami game, and I'm just going to take the Chargers minus six. Just like when you look at, especially in the update and how the Chargers are doing, I mean, they're 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 a pretty good team that just kind of got tanked. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean they're they're actually a pretty good team that just kind of got tanked by a uh, that young ho coup kicker that they had at the start of the season who who lost four straight games for them, and you know, in a 16 game sample size. Losing the first four, you're in quite a bit of a hole. Uh, but I mean, with the with the Chiefs and the Raiders kind of being awful this year, and I mean, the Chiefs really just the back half of the season. Uh, they're they're they have a chance to win the division, and I think they're fairly easily the best fairly easily the best team in the division right now. Just like when you look at uh, the numbers that we have on setting the edge, 
Uh, their defense is, is balling right now, except for run defense. They're uh, fourth in adjusted net yards per attempt value, fifth in sack percentage value, tenth in tackle for loss percentage value, 31st in yards per rush value. Uh, they're, they <laughs> they look like the fucking Jags at the beginning of the year, yeah. where they were like amazing at everything other than like running backs getting to linebacker and safety level. Yeah, they're, uh, they're third in points per play value, sixth in turnover percentage value, 15th in yards per play value, and eighth in, ter- in uh, first down percentage value. Uh, I just kind of like, I, I think that, they're I don't think they're gonna, you know, go on a run in the postseason or anything, but they're kinda getting hot at the right time. And I I think that that Browns game last week, it was kind of a slop fest, but the Browns I think they're a little bit tougher than people give them credit for. So uh yeah, I, I just like the Chargers to get this done and keep this thing rolling and this is what I feel like this is what happens to the Chargers sometimes. Like they have a little streak of good things and then it's all gonna end in a dumpster fire like in a in the postseason game against like the Ravens or something it's just going to be uh, they're going to lose like some slop fest like that that's why I'm surprised that you're taking them six points like you, the Washington Redskins were your team for a bit where you were like they're they're losing close games against good teams and those good teams didn't end, end up actually being good teams like the Oakland Raiders um I, I'm kind of surprised that you've come around on nuts and bolts after yeah. making fun of me for an entire offseason well yeah I mean I, and the beauty of what the Chargers did is I still get to make fun of you because uh, they did tank those first four games of the season. Because the, the goddamn kicker? Because right. that's what man. they do. It's so funny that, that they let that guy tank their season and then they cut him. And then they, they just started winning games all of a sudden. Uh, but yeah, the Redskins offense, so, they're kind of trending down. Uh, they're 24 of the sack. Well, everyone's hurt. Yeah. Everyone's hurt in Washington. It's, it's not a good spot for them. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know if Trent Williams is going to be in this game. But regardless, they're 24th in sack percentage value. And here come Joey Bosa and uh, Melvin Ingram, so good luck with that. They're 26 in turnover percentage value, so once again, good luck with that. Uh, Casey Hayward's balling out of his mind right now. Uh, I just, I, I really like this matchup for the Chargers defense, and I, I think that they make a couple big plays to swing this in their favor. Uh, two things. One, I saw someone say that Josh Gordon last week got more yards on Casey Hayward than any receiver has at all in like the past two seasons or something like that. Yeah, he, which, was, he was the only Fuck, rec- Green Bay. You're going to get him. Do not let Devon House cover fucking Josh Gordon one single snap on Sunday. Josh Gordon is uh, he's the only receiver to get at least 80 yards against the Chargers this season uh, besides Odell Beckham. So Mm, that's <laughs> that's pretty. Then, uh, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> two, two. And I wanted to ask and, you this question. And, hold on, real quick. And the okay, thing with, with Josh Gordon was like, if you go back and and watch it, like he met Kaiser missed like three plays that would have been like fifty yards easy. But uh, I, I saw one of them where he was like, it must have been like a forty yard bomb. He was probably like at the twenty yard line, and like, and Kaiser just missed him by like probably two steps or something like that. Like clearly would have like it would have been gift. And Vine, and not Vine. Vine is is dead, but it's coming back. It'd, it'd be all over Twitter, basically. Like people wouldn't be able to stop looping that fucking play. Um, the thing that I wanted to say though, Chargers in the AFC. You said that you don't think that they're going to go on a playoff run. How many teams? So, I guess in Los Angeles is the fucking neutral field, right? So, how many teams would you have favored in the AFC going to Los Angeles? Going to Los Angeles? Yeah, the Patriots, obviously. Patriots, Steelers, Jacksonville. You still have a lot of confidence in the Steelers. I think they're I think they're a pretty good team. Uh, you almost lost to the Bengals and the Packers in back to back weeks. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what they do. Like you know, that's the right. Steelers. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what they've done for forever. Uh, I mean, as long as like Mike Tomlin's <laughs> been there, they they lose games they're supposed they're not supposed to lose, and then they they win the tough ones sometimes. But uh, yeah, I I would go with the Patriots, the Steelers, and uh, Jacksonville as the teams I would take favor going into. Uh, Los Angeles right now. I would take one and a half of those because I think Jack- Jacksonville Jacksonville is tight, which is really fucking stupid because the Chargers still might not make the playoffs. Yeah, it was might. like because the only one AFC West team is getting in after after an off season of people kind of jerking around the AFC West and talking about how that's the toughest division in the sport. Only one of those teams is going to get in, and like that team wouldn't have qualified for like the wild card cuz Tennessee and Baltimore are going to have higher uh, are going to have better records than whoever wins the AFC West. I uh, yeah, the, I, it's so funny because like they they're a good team, but they just can't get out of their own way whether it's uh you know, losing that game last year to the Browns where they have nine sack like they sacked RG3 nine times and still managed to lose whether it's having your season tanked by a kicker that you cut after four games. Uh yeah, they they're just kind of 
they're the Chargers. Uh, so let's move on to the next game. Next game is the Tennessee Titans at the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are a shut up, dog. Sup, Rosie? <laughs> uh, the Chargers are wait, not the Chargers. The Titans are a uh, three point road dog. No, the Titans are a three point road favorite. You'll Jesus get it. Christ, I'll get it right. Uh, and we are both taking the Cardinals to cover that three points that three point spread. Uh, both of these teams are fraudulent. Three points for Tennessee on the road means that at home they would be nine point favorites. Um, I think they're eight and four right now. I want to say that's correct. Uh, I'll go on record saying the Titans are the most fraudulent eight and four team that I've ever seen in my life. I, I think that's a bottom ten team in the NFL. I, I'm like still like weekly trying to figure out how the fuck they got to that schedule or they got to that record. Yeah, I don't think anyone. Hello? I don't think anyone thinks that they're a good team. They just happen to have. A, they're just in the record. AFC. Yeah, they're in the AFC. And, they're uh, just in the AFC and they've survived. Yeah. Um. So let's see. The next game we have is the Jacksonville Jaguars hosting the Seattle Seahawks. The Jaguars are two and a half point uh, home favorite. You are taking Jacksonville. I'm taking Seattle. Why don't you go ahead and say why you're on uh, the Jacksonville train? Well, uh, I think a lot of people are giving Seattle credit for beating uh, Philadelphia despite Seattle not really like if you go look at if we were looking at the NFL from like a college football playoff committee perspective right Seattle really doesn't have that much of a resume um, I think people are overrating what a win against Philadelphia means because Philadelphia hasn't actually beaten anyone good other than Carolina on that Thursday night game um, and I would say Jacksonville easily easily the number two team in the AFC I guess the Chargers could be there right I said that earlier kind of kind of t- tied my hands behind my back on that one um but i i think jacksonville's right there behind uh right there behind new england i i don't know i mean seattle seattle so seattle would be a favorite against jacksonville on neutral field but they were just six point underdogs at home last week like that's a massive line swing that doesn't really make any sort of sense to me um i don't know I, i'd be interested to see how the numbers on this one move when i wake up on sunday morning because i could see this one going either way yeah, I just kind of like taking Russell Wilson over Blake Bortles. And I, uh, but did you see what Russell Wilson said today, though, <laughs> about yeah, looking at pictures I mean, of Everbank Stadium I mean, to see what? He's a weirdo. I, th- I think we all know he's a, he's really weird. But uh, hey, kind of serial killer. He's kinda... I'm not going to say that, but many people are. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just think that I, I'm. I like. I, I think that these teams are fairly. Like they kind of mirror each other, uh, in a sense. Like their offense can be a little bit hit or miss, and their defense is pretty good. But I, I, I think the Seahawks have a better offense than the Jaguars, and the Jaguars have a better defense than the Seahawks. So that that matchup is going to be really fun to watch. It's going to be really interesting because, uh, you know, it, it, this is kind of like old old school versus new school, I guess, in in the way that we look at how the Seahawks defense has kind of made its way throughout the NFL, and the Jaguars were kind of like the first reiteration of that with uh with gus bradley and they're they're continue uh, continue to keep that uh scheme under todd walsh and doug marone but it's gonna be a fun game to watch i just i like i like i just like russell wilson to get this thing done i I don't think it's gonna be a pretty game on either sides of the ball uh but it it should be fun and i i'm i feel like we're gonna get at least one earl thomas pick on blake bortles oh yeah that 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 one's coming that one's pretty easy to that one's pretty easy to tell. Yeah. Do you think like I feel like this? If Jacksonville wins, it's gonna be some weird shit where some some skill player who we've never heard of is gonna score like a random eighty yard touchdown. Yeah. Uh, that it was Jaden Mickens a couple weeks ago on a punt return. So I feel like yeah. <laughs> the dude from Washington who everyone was like, "Who the fuck is this? I've never heard of this guy." Yeah. He he was one of Draft Twitter's babies, uh, at least from the people I follow. So, uh, yeah, I. It's going to be somewhat random. Uh, the next game is the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Los Angeles Rams in L.A. The Rams are a two-and-a-half point home favorite. You are taking the Eagles, and I'm teasing the Eagles to 8.5, uh, 8.5 spread with the Carolina game from earlier. Uh, yeah, if if uh, the Philadelphia game against I, – I think they played the Chargers earlier in the year, right? I wanted to say that the Eagles fans took over the Chargers game completely, so if that's anything – like this game, then this line is already out of whack in terms of home field advantage. Uh, Because right now, basically, even field, the the Eagles would be a 
half point favorite, which I, I don't think that makes sense to me at all. You know, even without counting the home field advantage. Um, one thing that I'll say is this is just kind of like a shootouty game. You know what I mean? Like this game seems like if there's any game that it could go like 40 to 40, it's probably this game this week. And in shootout situations, I'm just going to take the dog. So I'll, Philadelphia two and a half, I'll take it. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a fun one. What uh, else is going to be fun to see is uh, like how does Wentz go up against a uh, a better defense than the one he faced last week? Because I mean, can the Eagles get their second win against a 500 team? We shall see. Uh, but I I don't know. Um, I I still think the Eagles are are one of the, like the top three teams in the NFL, but. I can I can kind of see this like this whole Wednesday and kind of unraveling as we go into the playoffs because even though like the raw stats from last week's game were okay for Wentz, he he didn't I don't think he played that well uh, like just in general he missed a lot of throws he had that awful interception to Byron Maxwell in the back of the end zone um, and then you know here comes Wade Phillips and Aaron Donald and uh, the way that secondary's been playing I think it's gonna be a tough matchup for him so uh, I think his handle is at four verts if you wanna you wanna voice your opinion Eagles fans at four verts yeah actually it's at Count Caleb so uh, yeah just send them those that way so the next game we have is the Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers the Steelers are a five point home favorite you are staying away I'm taking Baltimore but before we do this a shout out to uh, Ryan Shazier thoughts to him because that uh, spinal, for sure yeah that spinal injury he suffered on a uh, on Monday night is not not looking too good right now so uh, let's hope for uh, a recovery there but uh, you're staying away from it so I'll take it here uh, Baltimore plus five I just, I I don't know this just feels like one of the stupid games that that Baltimore covers I don't think they win but that defense is playing really really well right now uh, especially like their secondary they've been turning up the heat. Uh, a lot and for I, sure but jimmy smith is out now yeah jimmy, jimmy smith is out but um i like and he's been he had an awesome year yeah their their front seven is playing well the defensive line is playing well uh terrell suggs has somehow come back to life uh and, and is still balling somehow steroids i wonder how i wonder how <laughs> <laughs> 35 years old and end up Jim, playing like oh, he's 22 wow we need to talk about this because i said this in the group chat um i'm i'm starting to uh grade like grade weekly guys for bleacher report because we're doing our end of the year rankings of all of our defensive linemen and stuff so i started with my 43 defensive ends um i got through carolina and was watching charles johnson like it's super visible why that dude used steroids and he's yeah there was no mistake on that one he came into the beginning of the season just super overweight it's something that you really don't catch if you're watching you know if you're watching games week by week things just kind of get blurred you know what i mean but when you watch them in succession and just kind of speed through them in a day, that Carolina defense, if you go watch it and you're like the beginning, like the first two weeks of the year where Charles Johnson just looks bloated and slow as hell. And then recent games where he's just look, like like visibly skinnier and you're like, oh, God, <laughs> this guy was for sure on on shit. Yep. Uh, it, it means it's just so funny, like all these old guys. Oh, wow. They actually have a season where it looks like they're 23 again. I wonder how that happened. Uh, juice and. But yeah, I like the Ravens to cover uh, just because I don't I don't know how big the Ryan Shazier effect will be on the Steelers, but he has played ninety nine percent of the Steelers' defensive snaps on the season. So they don't really have experience inside linebackers either, because right. that, that was the issue. Cause they lost Timmons. I remember when we were doing stuff for the update at the uh, in the summer, um, Vince Williams was like the plug and play inside linebacker, but no one really had an opinion on him because he hadn't really actually played that much. But like he was for sure the guy because they didn't have anyone behind him. So yeah, I, I think, you know, losing Ryan Chase here for sure could be a factor there. Yeah. Um, man, uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a tough game for, for Pittsburgh just to like, how do you go out and play again after what happened on Monday night? But yeah, thoughts out to Shazier, uh, Ravens plus five. Hope the Steelers win, but the Ravens cover, so everyone's happy, including my wallet. Uh, the last game is, I mean, for some reason, the NFL just continued. I mean, I, I don't know, like, when they made the schedule back in, you know, earlier this year, who decided to give the Dolphins all these primetime games, but uh, the last game we're going to talk about is the New England Patriots at the Miami Dolphins on uh, on primetime, Monday Night Football. Woo! We get to watch one of the best, te- one of the worst teams in the league get slaughtered again. Uh, so we we got the uh, the Patriots are an eleven point road favorite. You're teasing that to Miami plus seventeen. I'm just going to take Patriots minus eleven. Uh, I mean, 
I, I don't really I, I don't feel like this needs a lot of explanation besides the Dolphins are terrible and the Patriots are good like even the Patriots defense is, is starting to get it together and figure it out I mean like they're, t- they're in the top 10 in terms of, in terms of uh, points per play value so it's not as bad as it was to start the season and I mean the Dolphins outside of that that beat down against the Broncos who are essentially like an FCS team now but uh, the Dolphins are awful too so I, I think the Patriots are going to blow them out I just think if you could tease it to to a home team being 17-point dogs, uh, that's just a lot of points for an NFL team. But I also lost a massive amount of money betting uh, New York Jets' 20-point dogs against the Oakland Raiders and lost it because of a sack fumble from Josh McCown on like the five-yard line. So maybe don't listen to me. I don't know. I, I have no clue. Uh, my prediction for this game is that this is when it, – it's kind of weird where we see national games like legitimately influence – what the fuck is that? Uh, national games legitimately influence – uh, the opinions of like voters in terms of uh, in terms of like MVP and things of, like just trophies, right? Awards. I think this is the game where people are like, "Wow, Tom Brady really is doing it like all by himself." Yep. Uh, they, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think you can even make an argument that anyone else should be the MVP besides Tom Brady this year. Uh, he, Russell the- Wilson actually underrated. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk <laughs> about that for a second. When uh, I mean that, I don't remember who wrote it, uh, but you know, but we're not. Oh, gonna say oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was said that Russell Wilson is underrated, maybe the most underrated player in the league. I didn't even know that that was a thing. Like I, I thought we were all on the train that this guy's a cornball, but he's amazing at football. Like what? He's in year six of being an NFL starter. He's won a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, he he's won, he he went to back to back Super Bowls and he won one. Uh, and he he like he, he goes to the playoffs every year. Uh, I, I don't know how he could possibly be underrated. I mean, they they play so many uh, primetime games. Uh, like like I just said, like they're always in the playoffs. Like you always see Russell Wilson on the national scene. I don't I I don't get how anyone could say he's underrated. But hey, whatever floats your boat, bud. Uh, so let's hit on just a couple of reader questions before we get out of here. Before we do that, you want to run through our picks real quick? Our New Orleans Saints, Dallas Cowboys, Chicago Bears, Kansas City Chiefs, Carolina Panthers, New York Jets, Los Angeles Chargers, Arizona Cardinals, Philadelphia Eagles, my Houston Texans, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Miami Dolphins. These make me sick every week, the ones that I'm split on with you. And your San Francisco 49ers, Seattle Seahawks, uh, Baltimore Ravens, and New England Patriots. All right. Uh, so uh, we're just going to hit on a couple of these. Uh, the first question from Keegan Daly at Keg Daly. Who was the favorite to win the college football playoff? I, I'm going with Georgia, honestly. Alabama was the favorite when they were the five seed. And I think they're still the favorite now. But I think the team that people, in, ter- in terms of what the, the gambling value on them is, I think the team that you would want to bet on and probably root for, just, I mean, you're a Georgia fan. I'm, I don't. You're a Georgia fan. You're going to root for Georgia. I understand that, and you should. Um, but Oklahoma, man. Like, Oklahoma's such a fucking fun team. They are. No, their running back probably isn't going to play um, because he just got uh, – what was it? He he got a uh, – fuck, what do you call it? I'm forgetting what you call it. I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, a woman alleged that he oh, raped her. Oh, this and is then, a kid. Uh, who, who, restraining order. That's yeah, what it was. He made a whole Twitter account just to say that he was innocent. Like, like hardly proclaim his innocence. But I mean, I don't really, I don't really have a take on that because I, yeah. I, I haven't read up on it. But the way that I he look was an at exciting it, back, but probably probably not going to play. Uh, focus on the receivers. Yeah, but I, I mean, this George, this is going to be by far. Actually, not by far because they did play Ohio State. But this is going to be the best defense besides Ohio State that George, that uh, Oklahoma has seen. But the, I was just looking at TCU. Uh, they play P- TCU twice. Why are you Why are you ignoring TCU like that? Because uh, Georgia's better than TCU. Uh, but How many TCU games have you seen this year? One, and it was the Big Twelve Championship game. That's all I need <laughs> to see. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so I, I just think uh, I I like the way Georgia. I think like Georgia's defense matches up well with Oklahoma. Like obviously Oklahoma is going to score some points, but I think where Georgia has a huge advantage is uh, against Oklahoma's defense, which hasn't been great this year. Uh, especially against the, the run, they've given up 19 rushing touchdowns, and uh, you know, I mean, this has like sacks included, but they've they've given up uh, about 1,500 rushing yards as well. So, hey, here comes Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, and DeAndre Swift, and if 
if you tell Kirby Smart he's going against one of the worst run defenses like in Power Five football, then he's probably just gonna mash like just mash the ground game and churn out like 35, 40 carries uh, for that trio. And I I just think that Georgia is in a spot where they can run the ball and sit on the clock and just they got hogs, bro. That you they can't run out of running backs. Like if they tried, they have they they're legit five deep on on uh, at running back and their offensive line has just been mauling dudes this year. I mean. They, they kind of got shut down versus Auburn the first time around, but then when uh, they came back in the SEC championship game, I mean, they kicked their ass uh, in, in terms of run blocking. So I, I think that they get after Oklahoma up front. Uh, maybe Oklahoma scores two or three touchdowns, but I, I still think Georgia is going to have a huge day rushing the ball. So if they can beat Oklahoma, which I, I do expect them to be Oklahoma, uh, I, I mean, it's just anyone's bet once you get there. And where are you on Alabama versus Clemson? I think Alabama's a better team, honestly, there. I think they are, but I still you're going to keep up for Jalen Hurts, but because we've had this talk before, and, and he's, uh, he's better than Kelly Bryant. Who's oh yeah, I mean that that's fine with me. I honestly haven't seen that many Clemson games. I've I've seen a couple Clemson games, and they usually don't look good against against half decent teams. Um, North Carolina State could have probably kept them out of the playoffs if they didn't mess up at the end. Um, but I, I don't know. I still think Tua Tagovailoa is probably the number one quarterback on that team, but. Uh, Jalen Hurts really hasn't had a tremendous performance as a quarterback uh, against a big team in his Alabama career. So seeing if he could put that together against a, a uh, Clemson defensive line that is like really, really fucking good. Um, they have really good linebackers too. People will figure that out around draft season. Um, I don't know. That it's an interesting matchup, but I'm I'm way more interested like stylistically and in terms of like how fun they are to watch in Oklahoma. And uh, Georgia for sure. Yep. Uh, so I mean, I mean, I don't think a an Alabama Georgia game, an Alabama Georgia title game would be like a lot of fun to watch. But I think it would be hilarious just because SEC trolls could just suck it up for an entire week. Because the thing is, there was a bunch of Big Ten fans who try to pretend that the Big Ten isn't two teams, that it isn't Ohio State, and Michigan every year. And then there were a lot of people who were like, "You need every every single champ conference winner in." And like it needs to be represented across, you know, Power Five and get everyone's interest across the country. No one in Pac-12, no one in the Pac-12 region was like, we need a playoff team, the same way that like Big Ten fans were. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then the last question that we will hit on is uh, from name just Richard at JT Zier on Twitter. Is Alvin Kamara juicing or not? Nah? I mean, yeah, probably is. I mean. Everyone's juicing. It's the NFL, buddy. He's a, he's a pro athlete. He's probably doing something that they're not testing for yet, is what, is what I would assume. Yeah. Uh, my dude's averaging seven yards a carry and 10 yards a catch. Uh, he's juicing. Uh, all right. Yeah. So that's – and that's some reckless speculation. If you listen to this, Alvin Kamara, which I know that you definitely are, uh, we still love you. Uh, so, yeah, let's conclude episode 62 of Setting the Edge. We will be back next week. Uh, rise up. Go Falcons. But uh, our money's in the Saints. See y'all.